Welcome everybody to episode 35 of the Never Watchers podcast. I am Pete, one of your co-hosts, and I am joined once again, as always, by Mr. Never Watcher himself, Kurt Lewin. Hello. How are you? Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, we've delayed recording due to the heat. Because, um, mm. um, yeah, I think you said you did a podcast um, on, was it Sunday afternoon, and it was hot then. Yeah, so it wasn't quite as intense as the last couple of days had been. So as of recording, we're recording on Wednesday, but the last two days before that were like 35, uh, 35 and 40 respectively down here. Yeah. But Sunday was like 33 and it was still well too hot to be sitting in a small bulk room. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a lot more comfortable now. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean... I hear that you've got a fan, obviously, but I haven't, which is half the problem. Wow, well, I don't know how you cope then, these past two days. Uh, I mean, I've been in an office, so air-conditioned, can't complain yeah, about that, of course. Yeah. So, anyway, enough about the boring stuff, we're here to talk about Loki, episodes three and four. So, <laughs> so um, just off the bat, obviously, uh, this is a continuation of the previous episode where we covered episodes one and two, and obviously we will be posting our final thoughts about the series in the end of the next episode when the series is finished. So let's just smash straight on through onto episode three, Lamentis. So the cast for this particular episode is Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Sasha Lane as Hunter C20, Gugu and Buffer Raw as Ravona Renslayer, uh, Susan Gallagher as uh, Lamentian Headstead Homesteader, uh, uh, Sophia Di Martino as Sylvie, and Alex Van as Patrice. Uh, this was written by Bisha K. Ali and directed by Kate Heron. Uh, just one piece of trivia for this one: the last scene appears to have been taken in one uninterrupted take. As a, as a person who likes good filmmaking, I really like that. I, I, I've actually got some. Uh... Uh, trivia for this one as well. Ooh, yeah. hit me. So the guards um, that are in in the credits yeah. um, are named Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks, which is an ah uh, yes, I did see this one. Yeah, have an apparent reference to Bill Paxton and Michael Bain's characters in Aliens. Yes, film. Yeah, I did see that one, and I thought, hmm, interesting one. I did wonder whether... I mean, you don't usually do trivia, but clearly I must have known you would have picked up on this one. Well, it was. Um, I was just reading um, an article earlier, and it came up at the bottom. Um, okay, it thought... must have been taken direct from IMDb, like I do. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to know more, then go and, go and search out the IMDb page if you want to see a few more things. But most of them were spoiler-related, so I didn't want to put them in. Right. So, um, anyway, episode three. Should we cover the plot, or should we talk about our initial first uh, initial thoughts on it? Um, yeah, well, we could do our initial thoughts. Now, let's go straight okay. into it, and then we'll s- say uh, keep our overall thoughts for the end. Okay, um, let's let's go. So, yeah, we are with Lady Loki, who in the last episode on the sacred timeline with all the stolen TVA charges um, yep. and that and all then created the um, the door um, which took them into the, the TVA itself yeah um, and Loki followed her 
Mm. Yeah, so he followed her into this into this door and uh, that she's created once she's basically um setting these charges off and they go off into a mysterious place at the end of um episode 2 and then obviously covers the covers where they go in episode 3. So, um yeah, it was a good way to end, I suppose it was a good way to end uh the episode uh, previously. So, let's go obviously into where they head off to. So, the plan, she's got this grand plan for getting into the TVA, which is um, interrupted by Loki. Um, yeah. And that causes them to teleport instead to 2077 on a planet called Lamentis 1. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the apocalypses that Sylvie had pre-programmed into her uh, t- tempad um, so that she could evade the TVA. So should we go into that a little bit more? So because I think it plays a little bit more into the plot. So the tempad, hmm. uh, the tempad is how basically they manage to get around different uh, different locations throughout time and space, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just wanted to make that aware to the audience who who may or may not remember. Um. So yeah, they're they're on this planet. Um. And yeah, this this planet is about to die. I think it's is it a moon that's crashing into it or another planet? Uh, so the entire moon is basically falling to pieces and is crash landing into Lamentis One to essentially destroy it within about I think it's about twelve to twenty four hours when they first land on on the planet. Yeah. So um, also just wanted to add something in because we did have a minor bit of feedback about the last episode so this had um this had come from oodles from the modern escapers and podcast who had said that we were apparently confusing apocalyptic events with extinction level events Mm. um the dinosaurs being wiped out in an extinction level event not an apocalypse usually uh or scientifically apocalyptic Apocalyptic events are irreparable natural occurrences that have dramatic climate or physical changes, usually encompassing loss of life. Extinction-level events, like an asteroid, usually is final and make evolution change rapidly. So, thank you very much for clarifying that, Oodles. I think we did get... I did listen to it back, and we did get rather confused between the difference. Mm. Um, So, so I thought that was an interesting place to put this, because this is, you know an extinction i guess this is an extinction level event isn't it yeah um well that yeah we can't we see that later on as well that it is uh pretty much an extinction event yeah um once they arrive on the planet they realize that they're on their own and really the plot is quite simple um they Mm -hmm. well they need to get back to the tva basically um but the the tempad has been um, it needs powering up, and yeah. So uh, Loki's you, uh, they've essentially used the last bit of the charge getting onto this planet, and then uh, the, I think the only way to the only place that powers it is like a a, a large. It's a the large train, building isn't within it? this. I think so. Yeah. There's a there's a train that goes towards the. Um, the ship. towards the rocket that's going off planet basically and I think that's the only power source that will actually um, charge the tempad yeah my um, now the tempad and Loki here I didn't mm. know whether because he's got he's got this reputation for being a trickster 
Um, yep. Has he just kind of tricked or like put an illusion on this tempad to make it look as if it's um, requ- requiring the power? To- That's an interesting thought, actually. I didn't really think about that when I was watching it initially. Um, but now that you've mentioned it, it could be. But then I think as the episode transpires, you sort of it sort of comes to be that you sort of know that yeah. that's not the case because yeah. things get a little bit desperate, don't they? Yeah, it was just a thought that I had at the time because he's, he's done this kind of thing before. Yeah, it wouldn't be out of character for him to do something quite similar, like something like that. So I can see why you thought of it, but I just didn't think that myself personally. Mm. Um. So, yeah, they, they discover that the need to get on this train which um is is going to the city where the ship is that's um going to escape the planet Um, yeah and um surprise surprise it's the rich and the elite that managed to get on the train not the uh, general population yeah so they put on their disguises and to to get on there Mm. um and then we probably have the first scene that i thought throughout this episode that was most memorable which is with them both sitting at the the table in the bar mm. and uh, in the bar on the train yeah yeah and the, i really enjoyed this scene actually to a certain degree yeah um it's here where we kind of discover that um loki and sylvia are bisexual i don't know if that's yep. made apparent um in previous films or the t- or tv shows and i've and it's kind of just gone over my head uh i don't think it is but i think um if you know anything about the character generally from the comics this is not exactly it's not exactly a mystery it's quite well known hmm. but this is the first time they've actually properly acknowledged it within the mcu yeah and i liked how it was done as well it wasn't like heavy heavy-handed with it um it was take it was done done well i thought i agree yeah it was just a it was a line basically and, and it, it basically says everything it needed to know that you need to know and it and it's in context with the with the line of questioning that sylvie is obviously asking loki about anyway so yeah it's it natural. naturally in it's not it, it's not quite the to the extreme length of going Last of Us 2 by Ellie calling, su- saying something about a bigot sandwich, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right. I don't know. Um, I can't remember that from Last of Us 2, but... Oh, uh, it's I'll such take... a throwaway line from the very beginning of the game. It's just, it's, I don't know why it stuck out for me, to right. be honest. Um, yeah, so, um, also in this scene, we see Loki get drunk, and, well, so, well it's, just before this is that, idiotic. actually. But sorry, just before that, I'd, I just mm-hmm. wanted to touch on, um, like we kind of get a, a little bit of an idea about um, her past, Sylvia's past. Yeah, I was going to say because we haven't really spoken about Sylvia that much, actually. No. Well, so, she... I mean, it's obviously revealed at the very end of the of episode two that you know this is a variation of of four. It's a female variation from a very different time period you mean, and they start going into her backstory and i actually really like the backstory so do you mean loki uh, i mean sylvie no so you said that sylvie is a female version of thor 
Do you mean Loki? Uh, Loki. I said Loki. Did, did I not? No. Uh, said... If I did, if I, if I said Loki, if I said Thor, sorry, I meant Loki. Yeah. It's hot. All right. I'm <laughs> sweating. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Luke. I do. I do quite like her backstory. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm. <sighs> I'm not 100% sold on the delivery by Sofia Di Martino as an actress, to be honest. I can get the angle they're going with that she's, like, battle-weary. You know, she's obviously seen some stuff mm. that's affected her in a massive way. But I just feel it was mostly one note, but then that sort of changes towards the back end of this episode anyway. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's the train scene at this point which starts making me change my mind on her. Yeah, I think. But I have a like. Go on, anyway. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the chemistry between them. Like they they do seem like a quarrelling couple. Yeah. At times, but also having a respect for each other. Yeah, but can I also say it's also a bit weird that Loki would fall in? You know, yeah. Kind of would fall in love with a variation of himself. Yeah. But I I guess it's in fitting with his character. Mm. I guess. Yeah. But then that now, kind of goes against what we see in episode four when he is doing the time loop thing and he comes to the realisation about his faults. So, yeah. about him being this, like selfish and, yeah. Of course, but this is where I start having a bit of a problem with the main character, Loki, because you know, we have to def- uh, variate them in, in some way. So... I don't know how we're going to do this. Just Loki and Sylvie, I guess. Yeah. So, I have an issue with Loki as a whole in this series, and I think it's just... It could be a nitpick, but I I don't know. Now, I get the feeling that they don't know which Loki they're writing here, because he he sort of has glimpses of him acting like 2012 Loki which is malevolent, you know, evil, you know, doesn't care about anyone else but himself. But then he has these moments of where where he starts acting like the Loki that was seen in Infinity War, where he will gladly sacrifice himself for his brother and, and the Asgardians. Yeah. So you get this malevolence with him, but then you also get this nice streak in him, and then it sort of flip-flops in between. And I don't know how I don't know why this is, and I can't I can't put my finger on why it is as well. It's just something that sits that just feels off with me in terms of this series, and it's something I felt from the very first episode. So, and I'm I'm not convinced that that little reel of him watching everything that's transpired in his life would be enough to change 2012 Loki from being someone who wants to conquer the world to okay, I'm just going to help the TVA and all of that sort of thing. You you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a bit strange to me, but it could just be a, a nitpick on my side. I don't know if anyone else, anyone else has picked up on that. No, I I, I, I do see what you mean. Um, okay. With Sylvia's past, she, like, even though she's a similar character to Loki, she has mm. got um, some key differences in her past. Like, she barely knew her mother. And yep. that could, I think that could prove pivotal at some point. Oh, absolutely. I think it will. Um, but I think throughout this episode, it's, I think one of the key th- themes that kept coming up for me was um, 
whether they can trust each other. Mm, yeah, that's that is very common throughout this entire episode. There is this constant back and forth of, I'm going to tell you some of my backstory, but it is with some sort of trepidation, mm. and you know the the issue with the ten pad, like you said at the very beginning, that is sort of going throughout this entire episode, and it is an interesting theme at least for this episode. Yeah, because even though I changed my mind at the by the end of episode four, I'd say in this episode I was thinking that um, Loki was like wanting to see this this partnership um, as them being allies together to achieve something as in in this case uh, escaping the planet and getting yeah. back to the TVA whereas to me Sylvie she's just as likely to see this as like a marriage of convenience if that makes yeah, sense. It's, it, yeah, it's like all in purpose for her greater plan, basically. This is just a small fork in the road, but they can use... She feels that she can use Loki for for good towards mm. her plan until he's basically useless. Yeah, because at this point, I'd say her motives are still a bit ambiguous because the, the TVA, we don't know whether taking them down is a good th- or a bad thing at this point until really... I think it was the end of this episode when she it was yeah yeah she reveals that um well we're obviously going to that in a in a little bit i guess or yeah. are we basically at that point anyway well yeah yeah the well now we could go we can go over the fact that they do eventually get to the the city and um, i mean it's quite a spectacular yeah, they, scene with the the planet um it is yeah. but i have i do have a minor issue with this section in particular so just to run it over, like, Loki gets drunk, like, acts like an idiot, ruins their disguise, and then they get chucked off the train. Yeah. Uh, whilst it's in motion. Yeah. I mean, who survives that? <laughs> First of all. Second of all, that train looks like it goes for absolute miles. Like, and I yeah. mean miles. Yeah, Because yeah. it is moving quick. Yeah. And yet, some for some reason, they're close enough that they can still make it before the apocalypse happens. Yeah, I did also think that at the time. I thought I, massive yeah. convenience in terms of plot here. And I thought I, I was sat there rolling my eyes, thinking, "Oh God, what the hell?" <laughs> but I, I guess plot's got a plot, and we've got to sort of gloss over some things like that. Suspension of disbelief, you know. Yeah, because when but, when they got chucked <laughs> off the train, I just thought, "Well, they're not going to oh, get there screwed. anymore." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I thought as well. I was like, "Oh, this for nothing? Great! They're just going to die in a blaze of glory." And really, when you think about it, it's a bit pointless that they do get to the city because the ship explodes gets explodes anyway. Yeah, but I think it's I, I guess it's the bait and switch moment where they they have it. It's like, okay, they've got no power for their ten pad. The only escape route that they've got is literally blown up in front of them. And they sort of just accept death, don't they? Yeah. Right, but then, you know, mysteriously out of nowhere, something happens, and it obviously means that there are three more episodes of this series. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? All right, episode three, yeah, don't come back next week, because there won't be nothing. It, it's whilst they're walking to the city where it's revealed about the TVA... Um, taking control the people the people that are working in the tva used to be humans they weren't actually created by the tva 
Yeah, I, this this one I saw from a mile away. Right. So, uh, the first glimpse that I, or the first inkling I had of this particular reveal, and like I said, unsurprisingly, uh, was when uh, Mobius starts talking about um, the 1990s and jet skis. Yeah. So, it's a little bit strange that he has that particular thing ingrained for his quote-unquote retirement. Mm. So I was like, hmm, why would he have memory? Why would he have these visions or things that he, of a particular time period that he may or may not have visited? And you don't specifically know he does. Mm. But then obviously there was that, there was the little thing that we had in episode two where one of the Hunter characters does get manipulated by Sylvie. Yeah. Um, Uh, So um, you, you could sort of see some sort of inkling that there was something awry with the TVA anyway. And is it earlier in? Is it the beginning of this episode where we see the whole Margarita scene, or is that the next one? I think that's the next one. Right. But I mean, oh, we'll go into that anyway. I know which scene you're talking about. I just yes. I think I do think it's episode four. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, so what? Ha- so what happens at the end of this episode is that. Um, uh, Mobius p- pretty much rumbles um, Ravona's sort of plan to some respect, and he gets wiped out. Mm. So the the um, the weapons that the the TVA agents and the hunters use uh, like basically dissipates him into nothing, and that's basically how it ended, wasn't it? Sorry, say that Sorry. again. Uh, so the the weapon that they use, yeah. uh, the hunters, they're basically like um, Ravona uh, strikes um, Mobius with it, and then he dissipates into nothing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've got you. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what you meant. There, I was like, did I say something wrong again? No, I think I misheard you. I thought you were saying it was Loki who got the. The whatever it's called in the back. Um, uh, no, no, no. Because that does happen, but at the end of episode four. Yeah, we'll talk more yeah. about that, obviously. Yeah. Okay. That's... So, I mean, what did you generally think of this third episode? It was good. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. I. I can't really think of anything bad about it, but not really. Other than the scene on the train, mm. um, I wouldn't say there was anything I found outstanding. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, I'd say, solid episode in yeah. terms of. Uh, I'd say it's probably the best one for me because I wasn't particularly fond of the first two episodes. Yeah, it certainly um, made things make more sense. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like there was a lot of mystery in those first two episodes, and it's starting to unravel them a little bit. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to episode four, which is called the Nexus Event. So, uh, again, the cast list for this one is Tom Hiddleston's Loki, uh, Sophia Di Martino as Sylvie, Owen Wilson as Mobius. Actually, uh, that was we very briefly saw saw him in the last episode. So, uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw as Ravona Renslayer. Uh, uh, Winmu uh, Masaku as B15, uh, Sasha Lane as Hunter C20, 
Neil Ellis as Hunter D90 and Eugene Cordero as Casey. Uh, uh, written by Eric Martin and directed by Kate Heron. Uh, so, uh, the trivia for this episode is the scene where Sif and Loki uh, interact is based on a Norse legend in which Loki cuts off her hair. In the legends, this eventually puts Thor on a quest that leads, him, leads to the creation of Mjolnir. Um, also, Loki's view of the alternate Lokis is a replica of the view that he gets of the Avengers all staring at him in the aftermath of the New York battle and Avengers Assemble. So, nice little nod there, I guess. Hmm. Okay, let's uh, get into the plot. Yep. Um, so, we, yeah, as, you, as we mentioned um, a second ago, this opens with the margarita scene yes um which is a scene where the sylvie's mind control um on one of the hunter agents we we see how that like plays out in in like actuality when she yeah when so she this does is th yeah so this is uh hunter b15 so this is the one that was um had been chasing sylvie in the in the supermarket scene from the episode two, who got manipulated and taken over by her. Yeah. So, so we've seen her powers in in action for the uh, manipulation, but this one is obviously helping to find a memory locked deep within um, her brain that's been like cut off by the TVA in some respects. Yeah. So I don't think I think the Margarita scene is in the episode three. If it's on to B fifteen, because this is the one where we don't actually see what the memory is. Actually, it's but we do see Hunter B fifteen. She says, "Oh no, it's C twenty, isn't it?" Actually, that this happens to. I think. Yeah, I think so. I can't. I'm so, sometimes I'm lost with these these particular hunters. To be honest, like it's been a while since we saw this as well. Um. Well, all it all it's really telling us is it's reiterating the point that these TVA agents and everyone in the TVA used to be a human and the, they've not been created by the TVA. They've yeah been converted really by the so TVA. So they they are as um, I think it's revealed they are variants, of the, aren't they? Sorry, they're what? Um, I didn't get they're that. They're variants. Yes. Yeah. 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 So they they've been plucked from a timeline from somewhere, basically. Yeah. And given purpose within the TVA. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Quite interesting, actually. I I can't say that I saw. I did kind of see that angle coming, but not quite to the full extent. Hmm. Um. That we for Sylvia herself, um, we see a flashback from her childhood on Asgard. Um, we see that she was abducted from her home um, by uh, Ravona, no less. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, a young young agent Ravona, rather than like actually like heading up the TVA to some like to some extent. Yeah, and I think at this point it instantly shifts. Um, Sylvia from being a potential antagonist to being a victim. Um, yeah. Subsequently, we see that she spent a lot of her childhood on the run, growing up from apocalypse to apocalypse, 
and that yeah, kind of the only way that she could survive yeah and that humanizes her to quite a lot and makes you sympathize with her mission to take down the tva mm, yeah I, I have to agree like i did sort of see that there was going to be a lot more uh lot more of a dark side in terms of her backstory which sort of led her down the path to wanting to destroy the TVA I, I could see that there was probably going to be a purpose and probably a reason behind it but I did sort of call that, that, that Ravona would be involved in some respects because it's I, I think at this point it's getting a little bit sort of obvious that if you're going to cast a big big actor or actress like Guga and Buffer Raw they're probably going to play a villain or, or a hero character there's no, uh, no two ways about it yeah so i think one of the things i would say wasn't so great about this episode is um i thought it was a bit cliche when loki and sylvie um we see their relationship move to another level so when we have the nexus event happening Mm. and they share a like let's say a moment on on the yeah. world of Lamentis and that moment causes the um the doors what what do you call it? the the doors whatever they are oh it's the branches isn't it yeah that allow the TV that they open up and allow them to escape yeah because they're able to be found on this particular extinction event because of the touch that caught that's caused by two variants like coming together is yeah. enough to fracture the timeline. Yeah, that allows that's what a... they called a sacred timeline. Yeah, so the whole like love is a powerful force trope um, mm. is something I wasn't that keen on in this episode. Yeah, because it's kind of been done a lot in sci-fi from like Interstellar to Doctor Who. It's become a very predictable sci-fi trope at this point, and I agree with you. It was, it's by the numbers, I think, at this point. Yeah, I could, I could, you could argue that they kind of embrace the ridiculousness of it in, um, in this situation because it's kind of played for laughs. It um, kind of is, yeah, but I'm not quite sure I got the, uh, I got that as a joke. No, me neither. I, I wasn't belly laughing at it. Um, I, d- I don't know if I even managed to chuckle it. <laughs> oh, no, I no. Um, <laughs> but um, I think the real star of this episode is um, M- Mobius. I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah. Sorry, say that again. I don't know if you'd agree. Uh, With s- Mobius s- being the star of the episode. I agree. Yeah, I do agree. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it was at this point the whole jet ski thing that you mentioned earlier kind of clicked in my head. Yeah. Um. Is and his verbal sparring again was with Loki is good to see return in this episode. It is. It's, it's fantastic, really. I and this is what I was saying in the, the sort of in the in the first episode when. I saw all the Twitter discourse previously about Owen Wilson and I was just sitting there thinking, I've seen him in serious roles before, I've seen him in comedic roles before, he's he's usually great whatever he does, so I, I, I never doubted his, his acting prowess and I think this, this performance is, is starting to show it on a more 
uh, mainstream scale that he can do sort of more roles than he's been typecast into in the past Mm. well initially he's quite hurt by Loki's betrayal at the um, Rocksart Superstore um, because he puts him in the Groundhog Day situation with Lady Sif Um, Mm. I did I must admit I found this funny um, the first time I found this funny and then it became very tedious. Yeah, well, the the bit where it looked like she had grasped the situation and but still ended up kneeing him and slapping him around the face anyway, that was a bit I found funny. But then, yeah, I, okay. after that, it, yeah, it just got a bit m- monotonous. Like, you can understand from a stylistic and for story purpose why this is here. It's just, I don't know if we needed to see this particular moment over and over again. No. Yeah. Like, it's another one of those show... Like, it's another one of those you could have uh, you could have told rather than shown. Yeah. And it, I wouldn't... Because it, it's through going through this that he like starts to realize a lot of things about himself um mm. and but it's not it's not really made clear quite how long he's there for so um yeah over what period of time does it take for him to realize these things about himself mm. um, yeah it would know. be nice to see how many times in this loop that he's actually gone through uh, before he's actually had to learn his lesson, mm. but it w- I, I guess in that sort of situation where we said we kind of got bored of this by the end of it, that would have added a bit more runtime to it, and it probably would have well, added to the boredom factor. I don't think we. I think you could even shorten the number of cycles it goes through in terms of what we see on screen, but yeah, could have had some indication either through dialogue or some visual thing. Yeah, that- even. Like with the amount of clock images they have within the TVA, you're surprised that they don't actually have a, a, a clock on every wall. Mm. So at least you could sort of see the different times. But I guess from a from a continuity and an editing standpoint, that would be very difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's also in that same area where eventually uh, Mobius comes back to Loki. Yeah. Um, um, asking questions about the TVA and their questionable recruitment policies. Um, mm. um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to remember how Mobius comes to that. Like how he comes. To- he he does some he does something. He goes into a meeting with Ravona. I think it's to clear up this whole thing because I think Loki's been captured or yeah. he claims them to they're both to be captured. Uh, goes into Mo- into Ravona's office. I think he steals her tempad. Yes, that's right. Because he watches the video of him of the that past event of the the kidnapping. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he I, sees it, and obviously she sort of twigs onto the fact that something's not right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he um, he goes back to where Loki is in the time loop, and. Um, Brings him back with him. Mm. Um, and yeah. Mm, yeah, there's. I'm not sure really what to. I'm not sure what to think of this. I I think 
I'm sure it is at the end of this episode that he sort of goes that he gets stabbed in the back, doesn't he, um, Mobius? Yeah. Or was it was because I think no, we that might have said lot. that for the last. The yeah, last we one. did. Yeah. Yeah. So apologies for that. We got that wrong. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the, at the end of of episode four because that obviously transpires into the into some events of what's going to happen like, in the final credit sequence of this particular episode yeah um yeah they both loki and sylvie are captured now by the tva Mm -hmm. um but they do get their meeting with the uh time keepers keepers. yeah because we got what did we say the last time was it time masters i think (laughs) uh yeah i mean time keepers makes more sense than time masters you know but yeah hey uh, yeah, apologies so, for that one we got it wrong again we had to make a lot of apologies this one so yeah, they get taken up in the lift to um, by Ravona to meet the timekeepers um, and I don't know about you but I thought the I thought this looked really poor the the timekeepers what the, the CGI. CGI yeah oh it was awful like this whole this whole particular section just looked really cheap really cheap yeah and it's like, and this, and this is a worrying trend that I see starting to come out now because obviously over the last week or so I've seen a lot of discourse about VFX artists now leaving Disney because they're like overworked and underpaid, and they're usually trying to cheap out on something. So I worry about this. I'm not, I'm not sure if some of this is just a couple of employees just not particularly happy, or whether this is like on a widespread scale, but. Maybe something to look look out for in the future. Yeah. Um, but and then I kind of I thought as well because we later see that they are animatronics. Mm. I thought, well, why did they use CGI? That, yes. that looked that poor. <laughs> that was exactly my thinking as well. I was like, this looks really bad. What? They're, they're animatronic. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. And that was that was my mind. That, that was exactly my thoughts right there and then. Another thing as well, I I couldn't tell what they were saying. Neither could I. Um, yeah. So it, it just whatever they were saying, I had no idea, and it just yeah. So it was. I thought it was a huge letdown. This big reveal of the timekeepers, and it looked crap and sounded crap. And then the reveal that they're not their animatronics was even more crap. It was like, well, no, okay. I, I um. I did like that twist because uh, I can't say I did. I saw it coming from a mile away. Right. Okay. I didn't. I, was, <laughs> I, that's fair. Like, I mean, it was always it was stated that there was a golden door, like uh, somewhere within the TVA, and that was how you would find the timekeepers. But considering that they're these entities of vast knowledge and power over the entire sacred timeline. Why are they going to be hidden within the TVA? They're going to be elsewhere, like a long way away. Now, if that golden doorway had led to a room that had something else within it that like led them to the timekeepers, like a portal, mm. uh, that would make more sense. But not the timekeepers being right there in the building the entire time for them to be easily attacked by anyone at any given point so long as they found the door. Um. That's what I mean. Saying this didn't sit right. I don't know. I I disagree because I just thought. Okay. 
the timekeepers and the the TVA building itself could be well we've got no idea where it is in the universe so it could be super secret anyway um, okay I'll give you that one that's a fair point yeah it's like if you like um, I know it's, this is like a religious thing but um, if you went to heaven you'd expect God to be in heaven you wouldn't yeah, not uh, like... you, yeah you wouldn't expect to get to the pearly gates and then God is like somewhere else <laughs> okay yeah uh, i'll take your point uh, i'll <laughs> okay yeah i i see your point there but i just like i said i just something about it just didn't sit right with me and that's why i sort of knew that the whole thing was going to be a bait and switch personally but you yeah. know I, get, I i take your point on board yeah well yeah i i did like how it opens up a mystery f- for the next two episodes because i'm um, intrigued to see how the timekeepers came about. Like, um, it seems as though um, Ravona is she like the the actual grand master here of the the true villain, or is there someone even above her who we've not met yet? That's, That's what I'm. Qu- quite an interesting point, and I'm. I, I did have those thoughts myself at the end of episode four as well. I was like, is, is she, Ravona actually is she, like a timekeeper? Yeah. And she sort of disguised herself as an agent. Yeah. Is she, I was thinking, is she the architect of the T of the timekeepers and the TVA or is she yeah. working for someone who is? Mm, yeah. Those were the thoughts that I had as well. So very but interesting. But then that's also a bit... come to that conclusion. Yeah. But also, it's a bit confusing as to whoever is whoever has set up the TVA and timekeepers. Mm. Why go through the trouble of doing that when they had the same motives as the as the timekeepers? If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But obviously, I think I think it's good that they have something left over, sort of, just to keep the interest there for the last two episodes. That there's clear to see that there's more mystery to unravel but my criticisms of the first two episodes are sort of most i wouldn't say mostly been alleviated but some of them have in the fact that a lot of the jargon is gone you're starting mm. to understand a lot more about this generally yeah and the mysteries while some of them are a bit obvious to work out there are some still left over that are intriguing enough to keep going into the next couple of episodes yeah enough enough thought fair play for um, killing off Mobius. Yeah, this early. risky move. Yeah. So you know, one of your bigger actress actors throughout the, the whole series has been a has been a staple throughout the whole thing, and you pretty much yeet him off in episode four. That's it, it's it's brave. Yeah. So, yeah. is huh. that mostly it? I think. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah, overall thoughts of these two episodes as a whole, or you say we've pretty much summed them up? Yeah, I'd say both good, um, except for the timekeep stuff that um, I thought was a huge letdown. Yeah, I agree. Alrighty then, so um, with that said, do you want to let everyone know where they can get in touch with us, let us know if they've got any feedback or want to just shout us for no particular reason? Yeah, um, um, at Neverwatchers on Twitter, 
um, and also at angry underscore Kurt. Uh, and uh, remember also send us any feedback in any of the various discords that me and Pete might be in that you know us from. Yeah, like I said, the feedback from Oodles came from the Modern Escapers and Discord, which was nice. So thank you for that. So yeah, we're there. We're uh, at Rapid Reviews as well in there and a few other places that we can post up. But if you wanted to get in contact directly with us by email, it's podcast at Neverwatchers. Uh, 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 Sorry, neverwatcherspodcast at gmail.com. And if you wanted to get in touch with me uh, personally on Twitter, it's at Pete one which is spelled B-E-C-K-E-T-T and the number one. So that's going to close us out for episode 35. Uh, we will see you next time where we're going to cover the final two episodes of uh, Loki. So until then, bye. Bye. <laughs>